0: Welcome to Prophecy Countdown with author and pastor Kenneth Baer. Join us every week for the latest updates on what the Bible has to say about the events, the characters, and prophetic signs of the return of Jesus Christ and His coming kingdom. Make sure you not only subscribe but like your favorite episodes and share it with your friends. Now, on with the broadcast.
1: Hi, welcome today to our Sunday message here on Prophecy Countdown. I'm Pastor Ken. We provide two updates each week, to, uh, uh, both on Sunday as well then on Wednesday. On Sundays, we're presently going through the Gospel of Matthew, and as our custom is, we go through chapter by chapter and verse by verse. Today, my message is on chapter 12 of the Gospel of Matthew, and my, the title for my message today is A House and a Home. Now, on Wednesdays, our updates are always prophecy-related. We love answering questions that you may have. If you you do have a question, uh, please send us a message, uh, an email, at prophecycountdownpodcast at gmail.com. That's prophecycountdownpodcast at gmail.com. If we, uh, if we'll, I'll, I'll answer all of the uh, emails that come in. And if you have a question, most likely other people do. And that's the source of our, our uh, content for our Wednesday podcast. So let's get into the message today. Uh, again, my message is, is called A House and a Home. And we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 43. I'm going to do the first three verses. And this is the section uh, that we call the house. Jesus says, When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest, and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. They enter and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it be also with this wicked generation. You know, I, I did some research, as I always do. I pulled together some commentaries and some, uh, some teachings um, on this particular verses. And, and what I found was that I was almost shocked. Uh, to see some of the some of the most unorthodox most unconventional teachings particularly about these three verses dealing with uh, what was the teaching was which was on demon possession and exorcism now this is unfortunate because the best way to really understand these verses in context of what Jesus was talking about is to understand that Jesus is speaking in a parable. You know, there are many of Jesus' teachings that don't start off by saying, and this is a, Jesus taught them this parable, Uh, but they are in fact parables. In Matthew uh, chapter 13, Jesus tells us, for example, all the, uh, or Matthew tells us, he says, all these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables. And without a parable, he did not speak to them. Now this, of course, is what's called uh, Greek hyperbole. It's a it's an, an intentional exaggeration. It tells us, however, that parables were the primary way that Jesus was teaching. And the disciples of Jesus um, basically uh, asked him the question of why he spoke in parables. And Jesus said, this is verse 11 of chapter 10 of, uh, of the Gospel of Matthew, he says, Uh, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been known. You know, Jesus uses parables to reveal deeper spiritual truths to those who are open and receptive to these truths. These are parables, and these parables also conceal truths from others. The key to understanding Jesus' teachings is to listen. Understand that Jesus is typically talking about the kingdom of God, and there's a truth there that is hidden in order to figure out what is being taught. So let's take a look at this parable um, kind of verse by verse. First of all, we see uh, that there's an unclean spirit. Now, the unclean spirit is a demon. This is in this parable like uh, interpretation, the unclean spirit represents a demon, or sometimes people would say, not necessarily a demon, but an evil influence that has been cast out sent out from the person. This could symbolize a moment of deliverance from sinful indulgences or temptations, or it could actually be a true exorcism. Now, the the Jews believed that demons occupied dry places uh, like deserts. Uh, They were obviously a cursed land, and that's where demons would occupy. A modern interpretation would be demons occupying places where God is not present. God, uh, demons flee from the presence of God and from the presence of godly people. Now, um, di- demons. Uh, if you don't understand anything else, understand this: demons are not for you; uh, they are against you. Jesus said, "The thief. Now, this is either Satan or one of the demons. Does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come," Jesus says, "that they may have life, and they may have it more abundantly." Now, in the parable, we have a house that is swept clean. And a house that is swept clean, from a spiritual point of view, is not a good thing. Uh, This is why Christians don't meditate like some of the Eastern religions, the Buddhists and the Hindus, or some New Age um, uh, derivations of the same. Um, In Eastern religion, to meditate is to empty the mind of thoughts. Christian meditation or Christian prayer is not emptying ourselves at all. Or, or sweeping our mind clean, as they would do, as the Buddhists would do, but filling it instead uh, with Scripture, uh, with the Word of God, with true communion with God, and to explore one's faith, to have an introspection of our our spiritual condition. The empty house means that there uh, has been no rebirth, no unfilling of the Holy Spirit, no spiritual growth. You know, recently my wife and I moved into a, a new house in a neighborhood where uh, there's a number of new houses that just adjacent to us these are model homes or model houses and you know they look appealing they have lovely furnishings but the fact is that they are they are empty they are void of life no vitality there's nothing energetic it's just an empty shell it's just an empty house Now, uh, the uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, teaching on this on the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not the opposite of a demon. On the contrary, the Holy Spirit is life-giving. The Holy Spirit brings us to understanding who Jesus Christ is. The Holy Spirit is central to Christian understanding of salvation. it's the Holy Spirit that brings spiritual rebirth, transforming individuals, and enabling us to have a relationship with the one true and living God. Demons, however, lie. Uh, They deceive us. Uh, They oppose any move towards salvation, and they seek to hinder the the work of God whenever they possibly can. Now, notice the words of Jesus. Jesus says this at the end of these three verses. He says, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it be with this wicked generation. Now, When he says wicked generation, it's a clue that Jesus is still speaking to the religious leaders and their disciples. Um, They are hearing about the kingdom. Jesus is talking about the kingdom. Uh, Jesus is there. They've seen him do miracles. They've seen him feed thousands. Um, Maybe have even seen him cast out a demon or two. But the message that Jesus is bringing is falling, unfortunately, on deaf ears. This parable will be lost on them, just as Jesus' message is lost on them. They won't understand their needs for any spiritual regeneration. So let's go to the second grouping. This group I call the home. Remember, the message is called a house and a home. Let's see what Jesus has to say about our homes. This is again in chapter 12 of Matthew, beginning in verse 46. Jesus says, while he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside, seeking to speak with him. Then one said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside, speaking to, seeking to speak to you. But Jesus answered and said to them, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand towards his disciples and said, These are my mothers and these (laughs) here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, in this context, Jesus is making a reference to the difference between a house and a home. The home, of course, is where our mother, our father, our brothers, our sisters, the family resides, and you reside. Most homes, we hope, are safe places, a place where you're welcome, you're encouraged, you're nourished, and you're loved. Now, Jesus is not dismissing his family, quite the contrary. Some suggest that, but he's really taking the opportunity to reimagine, reimagine the family. And let me tell you that as a pastor, this reimagining of your family is really critical for spiritual growth. Jesus says, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand towards the disciples like this. He said, here is my mother and my brothers. Jesus is teaching on the spiritual family. And and let me tell you, he's making the case that often and sometimes necessarily, a spiritual family actually replaces, in many ways, the physical family, the traditional family, because the relationships are that critical. Now, if you disagree, you may think this teaching of mine is just, uh, that Jesus' teaching is just too radical. I'll call your attention to what Jesus had to say just a couple of chapters back in chapter 10, beginning in verse 34. Jesus says, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those in his own household. You see, this is why Jesus is making such a point of understanding who our true family in the kingdom of God is. The statement by Jesus is a warning to all that following him and following his teachings may actually lead to division and conflict within our families. While on the surface, this may seem to be at odds to the idea of promoting traditional family values, which is one of the key, uh, key components of a Christian family. But it's, un- it's important to understand the context. Jesus is not promoting, for example, family discord or, or anger uh, or jealousy, but he's emphasizing the importance of one's commitment to God. And the message of the gospel. I can tell you as a, as a pastor that I, I know of many cases where individuals, within individuals, where a family will reject your specific faith in Christ, leading to divisions. Now, this often occurs in religious homes. You know, for the past 2,000 years, nearly every Jewish convert has experienced this type of sword dividing the family rather than bringing peace. A young, jealous, a young Jewish man or, or a woman, a boy or a girl, may come to faith in Jesus, only to find or hear their father or their mother to say, uh, you're dead to me, I, I no longer have a son, I no longer have a daughter, they, they cut them off. And this is unfortunately not even limited to the Jews, it's also been experienced among Muslims, for example, Many Muslims that come to Jesus Christ are killed, they're martyred uh, for their faith in Jesus, and often uh, those killings, they are martyred, the sword comes against them from a family member. They call it honor killings, honor killings, because the Muslims are trying to honor the religion of Muhammad. Now, this type of family, uh, discord, can also be found in nominal Christian families. Where a family member becomes, uh, from the perspective of the rest of the family, overly zealous uh, or fanatical. How many of us were considered Jesus freaks by our families back in the 1970s and 1980s and maybe even later? So what do we learn from this? What do we learn from a house and a home? Well, Jesus wants our houses to not be swept clean, but to be filled In many ways, the most important family you have is your spiritual family. And if you're fortunate, um, that spiritual family will include many of your natural family members. But it's important that we understand that we are not to compromise. We are not to shortchange the gospel. Uh, Our beliefs have to be rooted directly in the teachings of Jesus and what we read in Scripture. And not necessarily what our family members hope that we would believe or accept today my friends it's even more important you know like me many of you may be seeing the signs of the time you look around and you see that this time of jesus return is coming close israel is in the land the present war that we're seeing in in israel as well is just another side And hopefully we pray that it won't escalate. But these signs are telling us that the time here is short. The end of the Gentile age is quickly approaching. Today is the day of salvation. That's what the Bible says. And we all want our families to be included, to be accepted, to be part of the body of Christ. So my friends, I'm telling you that based on what we read today, pray for your family. Uh, Don't give up praying for them. It might be too late to be able to witness to them. Maybe your welcome is no longer uh, there anymore with your family, but you can accomplish much by praying for them. Keep reading your Bible. Understand that the Lord's return is imminent. It can happen at any time. The Bible tells us that we are to keep watching, keep believing, and we'll see you again soon. God bless. Let me pray. Father, God, we want to thank you, Lord.
0: Nearly every day, it's common to see, read, or hear something about the end of the world, the apocalypse, or end times. Author and pastor Kenneth Baer's The Apocalypse and Coming Kingdom zooms in and breaks down biblical prophecy as it relates to Jesus' imminent return and the coming seven-year period, including the Great Tribulation available in both paperback and Kindle versions. Get your copy on Amazon or at Barnes & Noble and select Christian bookstores. The title again is The Apocalypse and Coming Kingdom. You can also find it listed by author Kenneth Baer. Get your copy today. Thank you for joining us on Prophecy Countdown with Pastor Ken Baer. Don't leave without first sharing the latest episode with your friends. Be sure to join us again for the latest updates on Prophecy Countdown.